Thank you for joining us for this message in our current series called Stand Your Ground. Pastor Kurt Ains is talking about how to study your Bible. Also, we love hearing stories of how God has changed your life through Access and ResLife. Send your stories over to access at reslife.org. We would love to hear them. Father, I thank you for the remaining moments that we have together, God. I pray that you would make them fruitful. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open our hearts wide to receive this word. Stretch us, encourage us, challenge us, strengthen us, God. And um, I just pray that when it's all said and done, we're all going to be, like Brent said, we're just going to be closer and closer to you. That's the whole goal of this evening, God, is to grow closer to you and to look more like your son, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we trust you to do that in us. We don't trust ourselves and all of our good works and all of our good deeds to do that. We trust you, Holy Spirit, to do that in us as we obey you and listen uh, listen to your amazing voice. God, thank you for your holy scriptures. Let them speak to us tonight. In Jesus' holy name, we all together said... Amen. Let's dive right in. Follow along on your notes. If, you're, uh, if you didn't know, there are notes right beneath your seat with a pen. You guys can follow along. Did a whole bunch of the work ahead of time for you guys. So here's, uh, here's point number one. It's this. The Bible tells us that we show our love for God by obeying his word. We show our love for God. One of the ways that we do that is through obedience to the scriptures, his word. John 14, 23 Jesus says this, he says, all who love me, I want you to catch this, all who love me will do what I say. I think it was last week, maybe it was the week before, but I talked to you about one of the coolest scriptures in the Bible was when Mary, the mother of Jesus, said, you know, at the, at the wedding of Cana, the first miracle where Jesus turned the water into the wine, the disciples said, ah, oh, they, they, they messed up, man, they, they're, they're out of wine, they didn't buy enough, and they didn't bring enough. And they came to Mary, and she, she says, just do whatever he says, and points to Jesus. That's some really good advice, right? Jesus says here, all who love me will do what I say. It's pretty simple, friends. It's actually pretty simple. You know, Jesus says those who actually love him will obey whatever he asks them to do. He didn't say that everyone who says that they love me, everybody who claims that they love me, those may not be the people who actually love me. He says people that actually obey my commands and do what I say, those those people actually love me. He goes on in, in, in another scripture, uh, 1 John 5, verse 3, says this. In fact, this is love for God. Check this out. This is love for God, to keep his commands. And then it says, his commands are not burdensome. His commands are not burdensome. Like we, we think sometimes, man, God's commandments, they're just so hard to obey. No, 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 they're not burdensome. Yeah, I think it's real interesting, matter of fact, because Jesus actually says in another scripture, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, for I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. So follow me. And uh, if you want more peace in your life, we all desire more freedom, more peace, more joy, more love. If you want all that, friends, just do what God asks you to do. You'll get all that stuff on the other side of obedience. Amen. You know, loving Jesus Christ and following him, 
Loving Jesus Christ and following him is expressed in its truest form, not by what we say, not by how much Christian music that we actually have in our iTunes library, not by what denomination we say we are, not by how well our church attendance is. It's none of those things. It's actually how well are we doing in obeying what he's asking us to do. That's love in its truest form. You know, you, you, you'll, you obey the one that you love. Amen? You love Jesus? You wouldn't be here, I don't think, if, if you didn't. And if you're on the fringe and you're wondering, you know, I'm just kind of searching, you know, Jesus right now. I really don't know where I'm at. With That's great. I'm just glad that you showed up. You're in the right place and you are welcome here, friend. And uh, we're just a whole bunch of people who love Jesus and we actually want to live this thing out as, as authentically and real as we possibly can. So you're in the right place. Amen? Um, Loving Jesus, though, it's about obedience to his word. And Christianity, I want to say this to you guys, Christianity that is satisfied with less may be convenient for many, but it is too cheap to be biblical. You want me to say that again? I have to read it because it's that good. And Christianity that is satisfied with less may be convenient for many, but it is far too cheap to be biblical. That's a good word. Next point is this. Jesus considered his purpose here on earth to do God's will. Follow along in your notes there. You can write it in. Jesus considered his purpose here on earth to do God's will. John 6, 38 says this. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Can I just say, everybody, that our purpose on this planet is to live the exact same way that Jesus did, fully submitted, surrendered to whatever God wants us to do with our lives. Not our will be done, but his will be done. You remember the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus falls down, he's about to go to the cross, and and he's in agony and anguish, and literally, you know, uh, I think the Gospel of Luke tells us that he was sweating drops of blood. He was in such agony over uh, what was about to happen, the events that were about to ensue with the cross, and and he gets you know, down on his knees, and here's what he says. He says, Father, if there is any other way that this can happen, can you just make that happen somehow? And, and, and then he says an amazing truth and an amazing, a humbling statement. He says, but not my will. Not my will be done, which is what he says here. This is what he says before he goes to the cross. I came down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he reminds himself, but not my will, Father. I want your will to be done over mine. I want your will to be done over mine. That's, that's our purpose as well. Our purpose is the same as Jesus, to do the will of God in our lives. So if our purpose in life is to do the will of God, then how can we know what the will of God for our life actually is? I'm so glad that you guys asked that question. You know what? The number one question over and over and over and over again in different studies amongst Christians and people who are following Jesus is, you want to know what the number one question is? Somebody take a stab at it. Come on. Yeah, God, what is your will for my life? What are your plans for me, God? Number one question. In order to understand that better, we need to unpack how the will of God is broken down in the Bible. The will of God can be broken down, follow along on your notes, into three different categories, and here they are. First one is this, the moral will of God. The second one is this, the general will of God. 
And then the third one is the specific will of God. You guys got that? If you miss it, it's going to be up on the screen. But it's the moral will of God, which, by the way, the moral will of God can be found in this book. The general will of God can be found in this book. The specific will of God cannot be found in this book. You know, the moral will of God, you know, again, found in Scripture, how to treat your spouse, how to honor your parents, how to raise children, how to treat each other, how to love each other, how to do business with a kingdom mentality amongst many other things. And you can find all of those in the Word of God. Is anybody thankful for that? The general will of God, also found in Scripture, is this. There's just, just to name a few. That all people would come to know God, that all would come to repentance and say, Jesus is Lord. That is the general will of God, that Jesus is going to return. Friends, you can't stop it. It's going to happen, okay? He's coming back, and it's going to be amazing. And we get to spend, remember last week, we get to spend all of eternity in paradise. And the closest word we have in the English translation in the English language is this. It's a resort. And it's going to be a good resort. Here's another one. That we are to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone. Into every nation. That is a general will of God. Now, the specific will of God, again, is not found in Scripture, i.e., <laughs> Lord, who am I going to marry? That's on your minds, isn't it, a little bit? Some of you are like, no, I'm still trying to figure out who I'm going to date. <laughs> okay, you need to get to know. Now, let me get there. Where should I live? After I do get married, where, where should I live? What school system should I put my kids in? What university should I attend? And when I attend that university, what major should I choose? Anybody ever been asking these questions? Yeah, 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 yeah. These are good questions to ask. And, and then here's another one. Lord, what are you asking me to do with my life? What is your specific will for my life? I bet every single one of us in this room has asked that question or is asking that question. By the way, friends, I still ask that question. Amen? Amen. And so will you be when you get to be my age. Many times there is no scripture or verse for the specific will of God for our lives. But um, you're going to need to get to know the Holy Spirit in order to know that one. Okay, we'll talk about this a little bit more and let me unpack it. But I want to give you some examples from scripture here. And one of, one of the general will of God, and, and this is actually a, what I'm going to share with you right now is an example of where the general will of God and the specific will of God actually collide. And the specific will of God actually trumps the general will of God in this particular instance. Here we go. Doesn't mean that it always does. Okay? Mark 16, verse 15. And Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. We just got done talking about that. That's the general will of God, that the whole world would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are we, are we all on the same page? That is the general will of God. Yes? Okay. Well, the Apostle Paul knew this extremely well, and uh, this was the will of God, and he took this literally, so literally, he started planting churches. You guys, if you've been here, you, you, we preached through, uh, I did a teaching series where, where I preached through the book of Galatians and then the book of Ephesians. Now, those were two churches that Paul had planted because Jesus said, go into all the world and I want you to preach 
the good news about what I did for them. He did that, and then in response, after he left, he wrote letters back to them like a good father would to his, his children. And so he's out planting churches. He's out preaching the good news of the gospel all over the planet, as far as he can go. That's, that's, that's his whole mentality, right? And then one day, he and a guy named Silas make plans to take the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, into Asia. So they're making plans to do this, right? General will of God, preach the good news in Asia. But then plans change abruptly. Look at this. Acts 16. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word. By the way, general will of God? Preaching the word, is that the general will of God? Yes or no? The Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word of God in the province of Asia at that time. So, in other words, they had plans to hit Asia with the good news, but that was not the specific will of God for them at the moment. So how did they know this? The Bible doesn't tell us. Scripture doesn't say how they found this out. It just says that the Holy Spirit forbade them or did not let them go. So let me help you out. Jesus promised us that it was better that he went away because he would send us, those who believe in Jesus Christ, he would send those people the Holy Spirit. He says, it's better that I go away because if I go away, I'm going to send you the spirit of truth. He says this in verse 13 of, of John 16. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. We've been talking in, in, in Galatians and Ephesians about how the Holy Spirit wants to guide, guard, and direct our lives if we're fully submitted to him. You guys remember that? Look at this. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will tell you about the future. So the Holy Spirit wants to guide us, wants to guard us, wants to direct us, and he wants to talk to us about our future from time to time. So back to Paul. Scripture does not tell us how the Spirit of God communicated his will, the specific will, to Paul and Silas, but let me give you four ways that it usually happens. Number one is this, through an inner prompting or knowing. Now, I've got scriptures right next to you, uh, these notes here, that I want you to look at when you leave this place. I want you to go look at the scripture for yourself and see what it says. I'm not going to unpack it for you. I want you to do that on your own. Through an inner prompting or knowing. The second way is this, through a prophetic utterance or word. The Holy Spirit will utter things prophetically through people. We hear from people, Jesus says, my sheep will hear my voice. All, pro all prophecy is, is somebody hears from God and then declares it out loud. That's all it is. You're simply the postman. You're the messenger of God, okay? So a prophetic utterance or a word. Number three is this, through peace. Now, Colossians 3.15, I know it's on your notes, but this is what it says. It says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The word rule in the Greek literally means to be an umpire in your decision-making. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So sometimes external circumstances that are going on don't allow you to have so much peace. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, yeah, I just didn't have peace with that, so we didn't do it. You heard somebody say that? That could have been the case. Number four, through the word of God, the Bible, scriptures. The Holy Spirit loves to speak to us through scriptures. So verse seven, Acts 16, let's go back to it. 
Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, check this out, but again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. The Holy Spirit was guiding, guarding, and directing their steps. But this is, again, the specific will of God at work in their lives. Verse 8, I love this. It says, so instead, so instead. It's almost like he's saying, you know, I, I had plans. I wanted to do this. I thought it was going to work out a certain way, but it didn't work out the certain way. So, so instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. Now, I want you to recognize something and look at me. I want you to recognize something from this scripture that is absolutely ridiculously important to catch. I want you to see how radically obedient they were to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Do you see it? Do you see it in the scripture? They obeyed immediately. Immediately. There was no thinking. There was no, let's talk about this for the next five months. It was, we heard from God, and now we have to act on that. Got it? We can all make plans. And matter of fact, we can make all the plans in the world. And I want to tell you something else. Making plans is biblical. Making plans is amazing. It's, it's a good thing to do. Make plans for your life, but make sure that they're submitted to God. You can make all the plans you want. But if God speaks in the midst of you making your plans, what are you going to do? You're going to obey, right? Amen. That's what followers of Jesus Christ do. And in order for all of us to follow Jesus Christ to the best of our ability, if we want to know what the specific will of God is for our lives, we all need to have a personal relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. And when we see the will of God, whether it's general, moral, or specific, our only next logical step is obedience to his will, not ours. Father, your will be done, not mine. Your will be done, not mine. And I can, you know, story after story in, in the Bible, I could share with you a couple of them, you know, uh, Noah. You know, God comes to Noah, right? There's never been rain on the earth ever. There's no lakes. There's, there's no nothing around, no water. And God comes and says, hey, Noah, I want you to build me a boat. It's going to rain like crazy. Will you build me a boat? And by the way, if you do this, people are going to mock you. They're going to make fun of you. You know, everybody's going to think that you are cray-cray. Will you do it for, you know, for me anyway? Will you do it for me? Noah says, yes, I'll obey. I'll do it. And he does it. And let me tell you something. There was absolutely no scripture or verse for what God asked Noah to do. You couldn't find that in the Bible. There was no scripture for that. Right? And what did he do? He obeyed. He did it anyway. And by the way, friends, that's a disciple. <laughs> that's a disciple right there. How about Joshua? I love this story. You know, Joshua, I want to talk, talk to you about something. I want you to walk around the city of Jericho once a day for six days, and I don't want you to say a word. Just do it. Then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven times, start blaring on, on the trumpets and ram's horns, and, you know, and then at the very end, you know, I, you know, don't, don't say a word, but at the very end, I just want you to you know, scream real loud, and you know, the walls are going to crumble right before your eyes. Sound like a good military strategy to you, Joshua, to take that city? No. No, that sounds like a horrible military strategy, God. But for you, I'll obey. I'll do it. And let me tell you what, friends, the walls came a-tumbling down. 
Did they not? And they all went right in and they took the city. That's a disciple of God. And why, you know, why in the world would you do that, by the way? Because God rewards obedience. God always rewards obedience. Peter and John, you know, in Acts chapter 3, they come and they heal this guy at this gate called Beautiful, right? This guy gets up. He was crippled. He gets up. He starts jumping around after, after Peter, you know, says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and, you know, be well. And this guy just immediately, just like that, everything, all of his muscles. I mean, this is one of the most crazy miracles that you see in the Bible. This guy's been paralyzed for basically his whole lifetime. Gets up. He starts jumping around. He's, he's, he's going crazy. It starts like this mini uh, uh, ruckus in, 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 in the temple and all these people are seeing what's going on, right? And then, then uh, the, the, the church council and, and people see what's going on and Peter preaches, you know, and, and everybody's going, what is going on? They end up throwing Peter and John in jail. Peter and John get out of jail. They come before the same guys that Jesus was, was in front of just, just a few weeks before and they look at him and they start talking to him and saying, what is going on? Like, what, what's happening? And they start describing, in Acts chapter 4, actually, they start describing, you know, what exactly happened. And, and, and they say, uh, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone that you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. They saw the courage of Peter and John. They realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Any unschooled, ordinary people up in here? Come on. No? You're all schooled? Okay. You're, you're, you're apparently better than them. Here we go. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and they conferred together. And then they said this, what are we going to do with these men? Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable miracle, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further... Among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in the name of Jesus. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. I love this. But Peter and John replied right in the faces of these church Pharisees, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to God? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We will not obey Man, we will obey God. Abraham models this for us as well. In Hebrews 11, verse 8, it says this. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And check this out. The very next verse. He went without knowing where he was going. He went without even knowing what was out there for him. God spoke, and he said, yes, Lord, I'll go, because you said it. I'll obey. The only right response, these are your last two notes, the only right response of a follower of Jesus Christ after God speaks is to obey irrationally. 
many times, many times, not all the time, but many times when God speaks, we have to obey irrationally. That's what disciples of Jesus Christ do. Delayed obedience many times is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience in God's economy. You see it in scripture all over the place. God speaks, the disciple obeyed. God spoke, the disciple obeyed. Not all the time though, and we don't know what happened to the ones that didn't obey. <laughs> we only have accounts of the ones that did. They end up being some of our heroes of the faith, amen? We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to join us live, we meet every Thursday night at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at Res Life in Granville, Michigan. Or you can watch us online at reslife.org slash live. You can also keep in touch with the Access Ministry on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Access RLC.